Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could, we could do that. Merry Christmas. That was so weak. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this year, last two years has been quite the roller coaster, yeah? Just like that, the Serious, roller coaster. A roller coaster. It's, it's been quite the roller coaster. Quite the roller coaster. Jesus told us at the beginning of 2021, at the end of 2020, uh, he gave us a word to this house that we've been preaching throughout the year that you're going to learn of me. We're going to learn what it means to be disciples of Jesus. And I have found that uh, many of the, 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 the lessons uh, of Christ, uh, what Jesus teaches, following Jesus uh, is not always a carnival. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Anybody noticed that? Anybody noticed that following Jesus at times can be uncomfortable? Have you, have you, have, have you, have, have, are you a disciple or have you not noticed that yet? <laughs> right? Because when you become a disciple of Jesus, you know, it's like, like today, nobody get offended with me here, okay? Uh, uh, but, you know, kids go to school, first grade, right? Kindergarten was designed to get you ready for first grade. Now we say kids in two, you know, who are two are in school. They're not in school yet, right? School is like homework, <laughs> grades, right? Failure. You can't fail being two. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't fail being two, right? And so we come into the kingdom and uh, we're, we're babies, and then he's like, all right, now it's time to be a disciple. And uh, we're disciples, we have to do some things that are uncomfortable. We're going to have to have some confrontations we don't want to have. We're going to have to submit sometimes when we feel like running away and distancing ourselves. We have to shut our mouth when we feel like gossiping. There's things that you have to do that indicate that you are a disciple of Jesus. Uh, America wants to teach us that it's all about me, and if I'm unhappy, I run away. Uh, Jesus says, hey, why don't you stand, um, and I'll be your example. I'll get nailed to a cross. Uh, that's your example. Uh, learn of me. And so this year's been a little rough, hasn't it? It has. It has, because we're disciples. We are. And, uh, and, and so, something, and so um, some people, like our economy, went a little crazy. Have you noticed that? And uh, we've had people, like, move. that I don't want moving, but they move. Yeah. And we have a couple that's moving, honey. And we're so sad, but as much as we want to curse them and tell them we're they need to stay, no, and tell them the Lord is not there; He's only here. The Lord is also in Jacksonville. I, well, yeah, but we want to say He's not. I'm saying, yeah, we want we to say want He's to, not, but yes, but that wouldn't be good disciples of Jesus. Yes, and yeah, yes, I and mean, there's a better job. That they're moving Any job, Yes, amen. And so, go ahead, honey. <laughs> so we're very sad, but rejoicing with them in faith <laughs> that the Williams family is moving to Jacksonville uh, next week. So Tuan and, and Alexis and also Taylor and Tyler are going to be moving to Jacksonville. But maybe you guys will join us sometimes online and say hi in the chat. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, come yeah. down and visit sometimes. So bless them, give them a good hug and say the goodbye Bible to them. The Bible says, blessed shall be your coming and you're going. So you want to always leave with blessing, right? Yeah. You want to clean up loose ends and leave with blessing. Otherwise, you drag the curse into your next season. They're leaving with blessings. We love them so much. We've been walking with them for a long time now. Yeah. And uh, such a blessing. To the so house we're excited about kids. how they're going to be blessed in Jacksonville and then come back down to South Florida. Yes, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, there's that head coaching job. Hopefully, we'll open up at yes. FAU soon. Twan, yes, you could, you, just, could he you could like um, coach the owls. That's it. Yes, do it. Take over for Willie, if you would, please, because I'm not encouraged by what's happening there. Hey, anyways, yeah. So <laughs> give them a hug if you would before they leave. We're gonna miss you guys. Uh, I don't know if they need help moving, uh, but you might want to ask them. But bless them real good. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so hey, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. You know we uh. It's, it's been a long season, and we really, uh, last year, we had an online service uh, for our Christmas, uh, the week after Christmas. We said, sounds good, let's do it again. Like, give our, give our guests, a, or excuse me, our serving teams a break, 
and uh, spend the spend uh, celebrate Carl's birthday with your family. Uh, I know you all probably you know set that side that day aside as a Sabbath, and um, <clears throat> you know the Christmas. The, I love um, I love Jesus. I love everything about Jesus. I love everything he does, even when I don't agree with it. Um, I love everything he does, even when I don't understand it. Uh, I've never had a season in my walk with Christ that I haven't looked back on and thank God for. And let me speak that as a word of hope today. If you are going through the grind right now, one day you will look back. If you continue to be a disciple of Jesus, you will look back and thank him. You will think like I'm, I'm I don't again. I don't know what you're going through this morning. But if you continue to walk with Jesus, you will look back on this season and be thankful. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that he redeems all things. You say amen. Yeah. And so on on Christmas, uh, Christmas is a story of redemption. It's a story of God fulfilling his promises, and, and I'm going to ask you, I don't know if I sound good, I feel like I'm yelling, so if I could just get a bump, ah, I lost my sound man again, but when my sound man comes back, sound man's wife, can you just ask him to give me a bump, is that alright, can you do that for me, excellent, I would really appreciate that, hallelujah, you know, um, p- part, of, part of the problem uh, with, with modern Christianity is we need everything fast, loud, new, moving forward, we don't want anything old, we don't want anything ancient. And by ancient, I mean 10 years ago, right? Like we want everything new and different. I remember I was preaching in Brazil and uh, I, we had this amazing revival in this, um, uh, this church. And I said, he said, look, you got to come back next year. Next year, everything will be different here. And I said, why, why, why? Things look to be going pretty good. He said, in Brazil, if your church is not constantly changing, people will go somewhere else. Because they're looking for something new. And new looks like God to them. And uh, old is not God. Unless it's changing, it's not God. And I believe they probably got that from American consumerism, right? Uh, we're, we're, my family and I are shopping for Christmas. And uh, my kids are like, hey, can you put together uh, a Christmas gift list? You know, and I'm like, um, yeah, I really don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I mean, I wouldn't mind a Rolex, you know, but uh, my kids are in college. So it's probably not the best use of their money. Um, uh, and and uh, and I'm thinking, you know, my kids are young. Uh, they're in college. They're, they're, they're living very frugally. They both, instead of spending their time earning money, they're spending their time serving uh, different ministries and serving their school, their fellow students. No, yeah, yeah, I love them. Thank you. Yeah, uh, don't 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 get them wrong. They both wouldn't mind more money, uh, but they have devoted their time to serving. And so they're not making all the money they could be making. And so the idea of, as a father, to give them something to spend money on for me that I could easily buy myself just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um, uh, and, 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 and we have this idea that somehow what you've done for me is a measure of love. And you know what I really want for Christmas? A nice dinner with my family. You know, like a nice day getting along. Maybe the Florida Gators winning their bowl game. You know, that wouldn't be, that would be good. You know, like just some quality time with the people I love. Because as I have gotten older, I've seen that almost every nice thing I've ever bought is not as nice now as it was when I bought it. Right? Everything you get one day, we talk about this, one day uh, when, when you know, we're all going to die and they're going to get everything precious that you own and they're going to give it to somebody else or they're going to sell it. And then we're going to get buried in a box. And the only thing that is going with us to heaven are the relationships we made on earth. That's it. What we've done on earth for God. That is all. That's all that is going with us. And so on this Christmas, I wanted to just, just talk a little bit about Jesus. And I wanted to slow down and uh, uh, just give God a little glory. I'm going to ask a couple people to come up and give a testimony. Last week, uh, God, who was here last week? God touched you last week. Man, that was good. Was that good? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm going to ask a couple people, and I think I told them ahead of time, but it's possible I didn't because that's just kind of how, 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 we, how we roll. So, um, Maria, are you here? Why don't you come on up here?
She's going to have another baby, and I'm pretty excited about it. So last week, we talked about the love of God, and he just kind of came in the room, didn't he? Yes. What happened? So um, I was just experiencing him, and then um, Pastora mentioned something about letting go of burdens, and um, yeah, letting go of burdens, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I, what I, what I'm going through. Like, but when she said that, I was like, okay, I think that's it. Um, and then I just, I, I closed my eyes, and God was like, yeah, you, you're not meant to carry this. Like, what, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, let just let it go and just surrender to me. And I came up here, and I just started crying and God came through and I felt his presence so it was really good. What did he do in your heart in that? What, 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 what have you felt the effect of that? Freedom. Come on somebody. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Sit your hand out. Father we love you. We thank you for Maria. We pray that you would finish this work. I'm, pray, I, I'm thankful that you didn't give every burden away at that moment yeah. because we're not equipped for that, Father, but I just, uh, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Aletta, come on up if you would. Amen, amen, amen. Looking lovely. I saw a video of you singing Christmas songs on Instagram. It was beautiful. Yeah, share, share people what happened last week for you. So, um, last Sunday, I just felt so overwhelmed with God's love. I was just sitting and receiving, and it was like pouring out on me like a waterfall. And um, I started I started kind of thinking about forgiveness and feeling like maybe I needed to forgive myself for not always being perfect sometimes. And then Pastora mentioned that in service, and it just like came in double. Um, <laughs> I, I felt like I saw myself the way that God looks at me, and I saw myself in white, and I saw myself in a wedding dress, and it oh, was just so peaceful, and I was just flooded with the love of God. Hallelujah. How's it been since then? Just joy. Just so much joy and peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Come on. Joy and peace. Peace. Could you use some more joy and peace in your life today? You know, we don't get joy and peace by constantly running. We experience joy and peace when we slow down and we spend time appreciating what's going on. When we spend time, sanctified time in the presence of God. This, this is how we're transformed. I love a good church service. I love good worship. I was so thankful for the worship this morning. I was anointed. It was energetic. God was clearly in it. I'm so thankful. And I love these moments uh, of encounter with God. Uh, I, however, have to sanctify time regularly in the presence of God so that this moment, this emotion, this experience doesn't just go away. Amen? Amen? Like, we got to make sure that this becomes part of who we are. We, we, you know, we, we, we run through life. We run through just uh, our faith. We just start checking things off. Instead of living our faith, we always... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted this morning because I've spent time in the presence of God. And I know how God wants to spend time in the presence of His people. And we're always wanting more. And we're looking other places for more. We get a good job and we're instantly dissatisfied looking for a new job. We get a relationship, we instantly start looking at the fault of the person and possibly looking at something else. We, we come into a breakthrough and all of a sudden it wasn't everything we ever dreamed of and we start getting disappointed and we start devaluing it and we do this with God. God just becomes another part of our life that becomes just another commodity that we want more of. And I am convinced in this Christmas season, God is asking us to slow down and look at the story of our life again. Slow down and look at the story of God again. I am convinced that God is not excited about us always being busy. 
I, 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 am, I am convinced that God is not excited about the fact that we don't have enough time to do the things that we actually need to be doing. I, I, I'm convinced that God would like us just to spend more time in rest so we can see some of the things that we may have missed in our lives. In 2020, a lot of great things have happened. A lot of amazing things have happened in 2020. Some not great things have happened in 2020. And I'm just, excuse me, 21. My wife is correcting me. Thank you, honey. 2021, some not great things have happened. We're so traumatized by 2020. It's like part of me is still, still stuck. Like I need, I need Tracy to have some little inner healing with me so I can get free of 2020 and fully move into 2021 and hopefully 2022. That's next year, right, honey? 2022. And so here's what I like to do. And um, um, our, our goal here at Revival Life Church, um, uh, just to be completely clearly honest, our goal as a leadership team is to connect with the presence and power of God and then lead you into a place where you are connected to the presence and power of God, where you can drink from that living well on your own, where you can sup from that God who has more than enough for us. That is the vision for our house. And so what we do here is we create an atmosphere that Jesus actually wants to show up, right? And Jesus shows up and by his spirit, you're connected to the living God. And then we want to teach Teach the Word of God to show you what you just experienced. Teach you in the Word of God how to live in this presence. Teach you in the Word of God to allow you to be transformed so you can carry this presence, so you don't turn back into the old you. To let this presence cultivate your heart so you can be who God has called you to be to the world. This, this, this is who we are. And then to show you how to do that thing, this, this is who we are. And today is Christmas. Uh, but I'm not going to be telling a manger story. Uh, I love the manger story, but it's not exactly where we're going today. Today we're talking about Jesus Christ being born in you, being born in this community, being born in our lives, but also taking care of that baby, not allowing that baby to be murdered by the, by the evil intentions of this world that want to serve their own selfish needs. So here, here's what I do. I like... Um, at the end of the year, you know, I journal. I journal throughout the year. I don't journal every day. I'm not that disciplined. Uh, but I journal as I read the Bible. I journal as I hear God. I hope you're journaling. If you're not, repent. Come up with a, uh, 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 for 2022, a New Year's resolution. And begin to start writing down the things that God tells you. Here's what I want you to do. I want to get you maybe get paper and pen. I like to use paper and pen. You can use an app. The bad thing about an app is you have every other app on the same device, right? Like, so get, get alone with God without whatever is going to distract you. So maybe this is going to sound crazy, right? Don't judge me quite yet. Spend time with God with your phone in another room. I, it's crazy. I know, I know, I know. But like, get your phone and be separated from it. Watch it here. I'm going to give you a demonstration. Phone. I don't have the phone. I'm now here without a phone, right? And so go in the presence with God and like when you're on a date with somebody, uh, maybe you're going on a first date, maybe those of you who are hoping to have a significant someone, maybe a guy is going to take a girl out on a date, do yourself a favor, put your phone on airplane mode and then don't look at it the whole date. So like when you go on a date, make the person that you're on the date with think that they're actually important. Radical, radical stuff here. When you sit down with your family at the dinner table, don't bring your phone. Let the people at the dinner table think that they're important while you're at dinner. Radical stuff here, right? Like this is radical Christianity. This is like cutting edge teaching right here. But get the distractions out of your life. What you do is you set priorities in your life. And when you set priorities, then you start living out things that are important to you. And if you say, for me, it's God, family, work, then you can't say, I have to look at my phone while I'm praying. I'm interrupted with my prayer with my text message. That's not God, that's not God family, work. That's entertainment, God, family, whatever. You can't say that my family's important when you keep looking at the sports news, right? That's 
entertainment is more important than my family. This is, this is radical, but th- this, is, this is how we live lives on purpose. This is how we get to a place in life. We don't wonder, how did I get here? We get there on purpose. Are you with me? I, I need you to talk to me here a little bit. Are, is this making sense? Now, why am I going on about this? I do not know exactly, but I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention for 2022. I, want, I think he wants 2022 to be lived on purpose, not just by our knee-jerk reactions and our emotional uh, uh, just, uh, just uh, reactions to the world. So, so I go through, at the end of the year, I like to go through my journal for that year. And at the very beginning, I leave a couple pages in the beginning of my journal uh, so that I can look through at the end and come up with the big things that happened. And then I'll write the little date in a, a title for it, like an index at the beginning of my journal. Is this making sense? So, 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 so why, why do I do that? Well, God, like, as I do that, it reminds me of what happened in the year. Like, we don't go back enough to think about what God did for us because we're constantly asking about what God's going to do for us. We devalue what He did and we idolize what He's going to do. Does this make sense? And so I was doing that recently. I was reading through my, my journal and uh, I got to this encounter that I had with Jesus. I, 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 I completely, completely forgot about it. And I was in prayer and the Lord gave me a vision as clear as you're seeing me right here. He gave me a vision. It was Tracy and myself and we were in a certain place and these certain things were happening. It was like a movie was going on around me. And then the Lord spoke to me so clearly about something in the future. And I had completely forgotten about it. I remember when it happened and I, Tracy and I were uh, driving in the car later that day. And uh, I said, hey, I was in devotion this morning. And uh, um, it's a little hard for me to tell you this because it was just so powerful. And she sat there and I began to tell her this story. And and, and, and I just was crying. You ever like tell somebody a story and you're like, I'm not going to cry while I'm telling you this. Is this just me? But you're like, you're like choking a little bit. And, and like by the end, I'm like full boohoo, ugly crying, telling her about this thing that God did and what God said and what God showed. And, and it was so sweet and it was so tender and it was so filled with hope. And I, I was like, oh, this changes everything. And within two months, I forgot. Don't we forget sometimes? Don't we just forget what people did for us? Don't, don't we forget what our spouse has done for us and we're just focused on how we're upset at one minute? Uh, don't, don't, don't we do that? Don't we, don't we forget how much joy our children brought us uh, when they were small before they learned words? And, um, and then uh, later on, we're not as excited about the words they're telling us, right? Like, some, like, we, we, like we're excited about when we got the big commission at the job. We're not so excited later when we don't have leads. Like, 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 anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like we can forget. We get, we, 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 we forget to cultivate this thankfulness. We forget to cultivate this appreciation. We, we forget, and it leaks. Literally, the hope, the hope that God gives us, it just, it, it, it leaks. And as I went back in my journal and I read this, it reminded me, and actually. If I could use kind of new age-ish language, it recentered me. It centered me back in the truth of who God is in my life and who He's promised to be. Uh, for me, when I spend time with God, this is not some sort of figure, figment of my imagination. I'm not here just daydreaming and I'm not, I'm not doing wishful thinking. I'm not just uh, out there hoping for something new. I'm actually encountering the living God. And I'm actually reading the Bible and He's speaking to me. Don't, don't you love that he does that? Don't you want more of that for 2022 for yourself? Amen? Amen? Aren't you thankful that our God is alive and he's still speaking? Don't believe the lie that God stopped talking when he finished reading the, writing the Bible. Don't, don't, don't fall for the lie that, that the written word like Jesus is somehow bound and limited by what the writers heard. I mean, they heard accurately, so it portrays his character, but we should be hearing God. As Christians, we should be hearing him. We, 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 we should be expecting that God cares about our circumstance enough to speak into them. But we, we, we forget. We, we leak. We got like holes. Like, why? Because we have a corrupt nature. We're, 
living in this fallen world. And as Christians, as Christians, the devil and all his fallen angels spend their entire eternity looking for ways to sabotage the plan of God in your life. And unfortunately, he uses the people closest to you most often to do it. Have you noticed that? Hello, have you noticed that? Have you noticed the greatest opposition you're going to get is not from the stranger. The greatest hurts you're going to get are from friends and family close to you because you expect the most out of them. And those are the most likely to develop offenses and let the enemy in. And all of a sudden, communication gets perverted. And the voice of the devil is louder than the voice of God. The voice of failure is greater than the voice of hope. And if we don't hear the word of God, if we're not committed to reading the Bible and listening to Jesus, all of a sudden the word of the devil starts making more sense than the word of God. God says, listen, don't argue, but be quiet. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I need to fight for my rights. Jesus says, you need to forgive and you need to just wait. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I should do something right away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody get in a fight, in an argument, and you're telling Jesus about how bad that person was. And you're reading the Psalms, you know, how long, oh Lord, will you wait and not avenge me in this? And God's like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and forgive? You're like, that doesn't make any sense. I need you to come through. What happened to that fire and brimstone thing you used to do? What about that, God? Can we get the old hits coming back? And he's like, no. No, we're just going to love. You're like, but I don't want to love. That doesn't, doesn't feel right in this day and age. And he's like, well, actually, this is the way to life. The way to life is just stop gossiping, stop slandering, shut your mouth, and trust that I'm God. I'm here to tell you Jesus is the way to peace. He's the way to life. His ways stand supreme. But sometimes we need to go back to go forward. We need to go back. What did God say? What did I proclaim as my values? Am I still living by those or did I somehow think God changed and those are no longer my values? I, I, used, to, I used to value this thing with God. I used to value this structure. I used to value this, this principle and now my life doesn't reflect it at all. What happened? We, we, we talked, um, as we're going through our Luke message series, uh, we're in Luke chapter 10, and we get to a very familiar passage of Scripture that is the Good Samaritan. You, you remember the story, right? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? We talked about it a lot because it's so applicable to our day and age. Are you guys doing okay for me here? Are we doing okay? Are we all doing all right? And as we're learning of Jesus, we're seeing that Jesus does things differently than we would do. And there's a man, the Bible says, he's walking down the road. He's going to um, Jericho and uh, he's robbed, the Bible says. He's robbed and beaten up and he's left on the side of the road suffering and nobody's helping him. And, and he's, uh, and uh, I, I, the story gets better, Miriam, I promise you. I'm joking. Miriam's not well. Miriam's, Miriam's battling some sickness and we're praying for her to get better. I just, I just joke because we love her so much. Uh, we pray that she would be completely healed in the name of Jesus. Um, so, so there's this, this, this man on the side of the road. He's beaten up and he's left to die, right? He's left to die. And this isn't like some county road that nobody goes down. Everybody's walking down this road except they're walking on the other side of the road. And... Uh, and what do we do with this? What, what do we do? Well, right before this story, this lawyer stood up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, hey, how can I gain eternal life? Now, I didn't go to law school. We have lawyers in the house. I didn't go to law school, but I know uh, in depositions, you don't ask any questions you don't know the answer to already. Am I right, lawyers? Yeah, you don't ask any questions you don't already know the answer to. You are setting them up either to affirm what you already know or to argue them into a corner, right? And so this lawyer gets up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, hey, hey, how do I, how do I, you know, inherit eternal life? 
And uh, he's like, you know, the law, keep the law and the prophets. The dude's like, I've done that my whole life. And he's like, yeah, what, what do you think the book means? What do, you, what do you think it all means, though? Now he's stumped. Because in a deposition, you're not allowed to be asked questions. You do all the questioning. And this lawyer figured, since he's a lawyer, he'll be doing the questioning. Only problem is Jesus is the good advocate, right? And since he is the holy advocate, he'll be doing the real questioning, right? We have lots of questions for God. God has more questions for us. And so he says to this man back, he's like, oh, you kept all the law? Okay, yeah. What do you think all of this means? And then the spirit of truth manifests in the room. Hear me. When Jesus Christ shows up, the anointing of God is there with him. And when Jesus Christ shows up, demons manifest and truth manifests. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When the anointing of God comes in the room, all of a sudden you may get super angry and that's like the Lord is like saying, hey, in the middle of worship and you're, you realize that you're mad at somebody or you might remember that you're offended with somebody. That's the, that's the anointing of God that has touched the plan of the enemy in your life and says, hey, I am here to set you free, but you have to recognize that the enemy has a foothold on you and you got to give that thing up so you can walk in freedom. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so Jesus will come and he'll poke that thing that hurts like a dentist. He'll poke it. Does that hurt right there? Like, yeah, that right there. Yeah, yeah, that right there. Yeah, like, come on, can you stop? And Jesus is like, yeah, all you got to do is forgive, repent, move forward, and then it won't hurt anymore. So when the anointing of God shows up, all of a sudden the things that hurt sometimes come up, and we have people who run away from the church, and they're like, oh, they were so mean. We're like, no, they were working on your heart. God was working on your heart to start walking in forgiveness. And they're like, no, I want to leave with my judgment. Well, that's good and all, but Jesus is still waiting for you to come back and repent. Get your heart right. Hello, somebody. And so you're in the, sometimes in worship and you get all angry and things get worked up and God's like, yeah, I'm about to set you free of that. You're just one repentance away from getting free. And so Jesus asked this man, what do you think this book means? What, 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 what's, what's this thing all about? See, you and I are being questioned in this world. What is this thing all about? What's the story? Can you trust the story of this book? I'm here to let you know you can trust the story of this book. And this man tells the story of the book. What's the story of the book? You are to love God with your heart, your soul, and all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the man says. The man had no intention of saying that. The lawyer comes up to Jesus to argue about his own righteousness. And Jesus says to him, what does the book actually mean? He said to love people. Jesus said, yeah. Do that, and you will inherit eternal life. He was there to argue. He was there to trap Jesus. But it doesn't work. We need to go back to that. We need to go back to our first encounter with Jesus. Do you remember your first encounter? Do you remember when God first flooded your heart with love? Do you remember when you first recognized, oh my gosh, Jesus, He is God. He did die on the cross for me. He, I'm actually loved. Uh, he, he's God. Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like when you were touched by His presence and power? Do you remember when He transformed how you look at the world? Do you remember that what happened after you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and you opened the Bible and all of a sudden somebody rearranged the words and they started making sense? Did you remember that? Has anybody experienced that in the room? I just want to make sure. I didn't know I needed to have the altar call right now or what I know was going on. We need to go back to that. We, 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 we need to go back to the first encounter. We need to go back to the, the call of God. We need to go to who Jesus showed himself to be for us and focus on that. You see, we spend so much time after that encounter, forgetting that encounter, focusing on how to live now after the encounter and telling other people to live after our encounter. Instead of telling people about the encounter. It was the encounter that enabled you to follow God. And we try to tell people to follow God without giving them the encounter. There's a word for it. It's called religion. And instead of giving people an encounter, we give people religion. And we slowly baptize them into doing the right thing. Instead of being love. And if we just do what we think to be the right thing long enough. Watch this. Everything we do is the right thing. The Bible calls that being self-righteous. 
What I think is right is what's actually right instead of living out of the encounter I had with God. You see, no matter how much you want to change the people in your life, you're never going to be able to do it. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. And so it's our vision at Revival Life to get people to encounter the living God. Well, we didn't make that up. We didn't make that up. That was actually God's plan as well. He sent Jesus to the earth so that people could encounter him. And so we find ourselves in Luke chapter 10. And here we got our good, our, our, our man on the side of the road. And in the day of Jesus, everybody agreed on a couple things. Pharisees, Sadducees, the Essens, they all agreed. All the Jews agreed on the same thing. We may not agree, but Samaritans are bad people, right? Like this is what everybody agreed on. The Samaritans were bad people. It's kind of like, you know, if you're a Marvel person, and so the DC comic people are the crazy ones, or if you went to Florida, the Florida State people are a little deficient. You know, it's, it's like, it's like a, an understood rivalry. And this man who had been robbed was on the side of the road, right? And a Pharisee walked by and he didn't help. And a Sadducee walked by and he didn't help. Let's read the story. Luke chapter 10, verse 33. It said, a Samaritan who was on the journey came up to him, this man on the side of the road, after the Pharisee and the Sadducee passed by. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. Say compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? And he said to him, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Hear me. Following Jesus is not just about what you believe. It's as much about what you do. Leave that up there. I want you to hear this for a second. Jesus asked the man, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was answering the question, if you want to be saved and have eternal life, you are going to love people as you love yourself. And he's like, well, what does that look like? You are going to stop for the hurting and you're going to help them. It's not just about, I think, the right stuff. The Bible shows us over and over again, it's also manifested in what we do. How could Jesus say that? Isn't, that? isn't that earning salvation? No. No, it's not what it means at all. It's not what it means at all. Well, if I don't do this, all I know, I'm just telling you what the book says. I'm just, Jesus told me to teach the book. And I'm here to tell you what the book says. Now, I, 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 I don't know what anybody else is teaching. I teach the book. And Jesus said to this man who said, how do I inherit eternal life? He said, go and do. Go and do likewise. It's amazing in our world, Duke, how many people argue with the need to do good. It's amazing. It's amazing how many people might do theological arguments on why they don't actually have to do what Jesus said to do. They come up with all kind of theological discussions and arguments in Greek and Hebrew. And I'm like, but this, this, that's not what Jesus actually said. Your argument sounds clever, but you put, if you'd have put that much effort into just serving the poor, you wouldn't have to worry about this. If you'd have put that much effort into just loving somebody you don't like, instead of trying to cause division and anger and bitterness, if you would have sown some love and built a bridge, you wouldn't have to be doing all of this. So, in the story, we, we often talk about who we identify with. And uh, we always identify with the Good Samaritan. Of course, we know that we are the person on the side of the road. We are the person on the, on the side of the road. And the man was uh, coming from Jerusalem, the city of God to Jericho. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. In that story, Jesus coming while we're walking toward a wealthy place. We were robbed by the enemy. And Jesus stopped and helped the person who was assaulted by the thief. The Bible tells us 
that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That he is a robber. That he steals everything God has for you. And Jesus comes and he delivers us. Let's look at the scripture. Luke 10.33 But a Samaritan who was on the journey came up to him and when he saw him he felt compassion. That's Jesus. Jesus went on a journey from heaven to come and rescue us from the plan of the devil. Before you came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you were on the side of the road not getting anywhere. The devil had stolen your purpose, had stolen your plan, had stolen your identity, had been sowing division in your life between you and God, and you were living for your own purposes, and then Jesus comes along to rescue. Verse 34, And he came to him and bandaged him up with wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The wine symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That we say that we learn about on the cross as Jesus Christ was wounded and his blood came down off of that cross. It heals our soul of all sin. It heals our spirit of being disconnected from God. And it heals our body from sickness and disease. And, but it's not just the wine, it's the oil He pours over us. It's the anointing of God. The oil, of course, symbolizes the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God who comes and gives us knowledge and power and wisdom beyond what we could know on our own. The Good Samaritan comes in the person of Jesus Christ and mends us spirit, soul, and body and gives us a heavenly connection so we can be to others what God has been to us. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody. Watch this. Verse 35 says, On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Sounds like Jesus to me. Remember, he died on that cross, and they buried him in that grave, and he came back from the dead, and he ascended to heaven. And he didn't say all sins that happened before this are forgiven. The Bible says, while yet you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You see, just like this man said to the innkeeper, anything that he needs in the future, I'll pay for that as well. Jesus Christ, any sins from the past, any sins of the present, any sins of the future, Jesus Christ has already left two denarii at the inn to pay for the iniquity of your life. But not only that, he paid for getting you out of depression, paid for getting you out of anxiety, paid for getting you out of that bondage, paid for getting you out of that family curse, paid for getting you out of that place that you think the world has you stuck. The innkeeper got two denarii from Jesus ready to spend on you right now. Can you say amen? He's a good God, somebody. He's a good God. I'm telling you, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. And so what are we to do? We're supposed to carry him everywhere we go. We are supposed to be people who don't just think about God or have some sort of knowledge of God, but we actually carry the presence of God. Come on, this is real. To carry the presence of God. You carry him everywhere. Even in the Christmas season. You still have to time this year to recalibrate, to center on what Jesus called you to do and make a difference in somebody's life. To make a difference in somebody's life for good. Now listen, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have to go you know, uh, adopt a child or bring a homeless family into your home. Like, I would love it if you did it, but just live a life where you're making a difference in somebody's life. Love God. Love people. Make a difference in someone's life. That, 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 and we're supposed to carry him with us. Because remember, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. Now, let's tell the Christmas story. If you have a few moments for me here as I'm finishing up. The angel Gabriel, if you remember, he came to Mary and told her the Messiah would come through her womb. This is, this is the hope of every young Jewish woman in that time. The Messiah is coming. And through your womb, that hopefully the Messiah would be born in your family, that you would be 
blessed. And he says that you carrying this Messiah would make you highly favored among women. And then the angel also told her your cousin Gabriel, excuse me, your your cousin um, Elizabeth, who's old. My wife said, don't call her crusty. Just old. She's old. And she gets pregnant. Just want to be obedient to my wife. In the past, I would say she was old and crusty. She said, don't say crusty. She's just old, right? So in her advanced years, Elizabeth was out child. And she was elderly. And, and the angel tells Mary that she's in her sixth month with a child. Now that's at the end of the second trimester. She's with child. And he says, this child would take away the reproach of Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth in that time, uh, if you didn't have children, there was a shame on you and your family. It somehow felt like God had cursed your family because you were unable to have a child. And Gabriel recognizes this because Jesus had shared it with him. That Jesus, in bringing forth John the Baptist and Elizabeth, was taking the reproach off of that family. God delivers body, soul, and spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. And so what does Mary do? Mary takes this dangerous journey after Gabriel says you're going to be with child. She takes this dangerous journey in the night to the hill country. And she goes to visit. She says she, as a lone, single woman, and she shows up. The Bible doesn't say it, but I, 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 think, I think there's more to this story. I think uh, that uh, you know, there was something leading Mary, just like that lawyer didn't understand why he said uh, uh, to love the Lord to God with all your heart and mind and soul and to love your neighbor yourself. He doesn't know why he said that, but it was because he was in the presence of Jesus. I believe now that Jesus was on this inside of Mary. She began to do things under the prompting of the Holy Ghost, not even knowing why. So she finds out that Elizabeth, who's old, is pregnant. And then she makes this journey to the hill country, unknowing why she was going and 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 Elizabeth there with her first child those of you who have children remember during your first child they just are kind of worried you, you know any moms know what I'm talking about you just get worried that things aren't going to work out are y'all going to be quiet on me or are you going to be honest right now you just get a little scared right and it doesn't stop after you have the baby you're just worried is a how does a baby know to breathe on its own like don't I have to help it like how do you keep the baby alive. And it's like, you know, we've been doing this for a pretty long time. Uh, God's got this thing worked out, right? But, 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 but Elizabeth was there. And I believe, I believe Elizabeth was right there in that between the second and third trimester. And possibly she had lived, the Bible says that she was advanced in year, years. Some people believe 80. Some people believe 90. So that's old. I don't, I don't want to be pregnant in 80. But she lived her whole life convinced that her identity was that she would not have a child. Hear me, you ever, you, ever, you ever live with an identity and God says that's not who you really are? Have you had that happen? Have you had that happen? And then God says, that's a funny phrase to use. I never used that phrase. Where'd you hear that phrase from? That's funny. You heard that about yourself. I never said that. Who said that? Have you had that happen? I've had that happen. And you know what I found out? My wife has helped me with this a lot. What I found out is I got to write those things down and then I got to meditate on it because I spent many, many, many years believing the opposite. And so now I got to meditate on the truth. So the voice of the truth is louder than the voice of the lie. Otherwise, it's like that vision I got. It just gets put in a journal and forgotten about. And I go back to my old ways. You got to purposefully be in his word. You got to purposefully be in the written word, and you have to purposefully be in the rhema word of God for your life. You have to dwell in the rhema word of God. So here's Elizabeth who spent 80 years as a woman who could not have children. And she's in that period where the baby, you feel the baby move sometimes, but then you don't feel the baby move. And any woman who's had a baby knows the panic that can set in well, you're in that little moment when the baby's not moving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you wake up and you're like, is the baby okay? Because I haven't felt the baby move. Now, I feel like sometimes in our lives, God impregnates us with a promise. 
And early on, it's a lot like pregnancy, you know. Uh, everything in life changes. Once, once, once a couple finds out they're pregnant, once a woman finds out she's pregnant, the future looks different. Everything about the future is now different. If whatever plans you had now include a child. Whatever financial plans you had now include taking care of another person. Now, now, now you're thinking about graduations. You're thinking about play dates. You're, think, you're just thinking about life differently after you have a child enter and, and, and everything. And then, and, 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 then, and then, you know, like you've planned all this, but then, you know, you get this plan of God on your life. You get this call and you think you know how things are going to work out. And, and you think, you know, what life is going to look like. And you're thinking about what the ministry is going to be. Or you think about what the promise is going to look like when it comes to pass. Maybe God promised you a, a spouse and you haven't seen it yet. Or God promised you a business and you haven't seen it take off yet. Or God promised your family reconciliation or your children would be saved and you haven't seen it yet. And, 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 and then at first you're like visualizing what it's going to look like when it happens and you begin to dream and you're telling people about it but then after a little bit it's not really kicking anymore anybody know what i'm talking about then it's not it's not as active on the inside of you anymore and you start kind of making plans that don't include the promise am i just speaking to myself or am i talking to somebody right now Come on, I feel like I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm preaching better than I'm hearing back from you. And then we start living our life like maybe God didn't actually say. Maybe, maybe, maybe I missed it. I was pretty sure that's what he said, but, but maybe I, I, I missed it. And a lot of women at that season will go to the doctor. And they'll go to the doctor and they'll say, listen, the doctor, uh, doctor the baby hasn't moved in a while. Can you, can you, can you go take a little look-see to make sure everything is okay but as believers we don't do that as believers we just we just we just well i guess i've done all that i can do and i'm just going instead of going to you know a, a trusted advisor or a counselor pastor saying hey is the, is the dream still alive did i hear it wrong did i get a false positive pregnancy test did i misinterpret it we just go ahead and let whatever it is die get a little bitter and disappointed and move on from God. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, and I believe that Elizabeth was right there. She had 80 years without a child and now the baby is not moving. But then Mary shows up on the scene. Now, Mary is the one carrying Jesus. Let's remember that. Jared, Mary is the one carrying Jesus. And I just think it's possible. I, and it doesn't say this in the text, but I think it's possible that Elizabeth was at this point of her journey that she had so identified with being barren that she no longer believed that the dream was alive on the inside of her. And she didn't have a doctor who could go and look for a heartbeat. Come on, somebody. And so the Mary shows up at the house of Elizabeth. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost of God. I'm here to tell you, when you carry Jesus, there is a world who does not know that God still cares about them. There are people out there with dead dreams and dead plans and dead callings. And you're carrying the child of God on the inside of you. And there's a world out there with dead dreams waiting for Jesus to come and resurrect them and bring them to life. And as you show up with the presence of God all over you and you greet them, the baby's going to leap in their womb and come to life again. See, I want to be around people that make my baby jump. I want to be around people who see the presence of God in my life and say, it's still alive, Carl. It's still beating. Don't you worry. You don't see it kicking. I see the heart heartbeat of God on the inside of you. I see the anointing moving. Things will not always be like this, but that thing is going to be active. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Jesus had Mary on an assignment. Elizabeth needed that sign that God is a faithful God. And we live in a world that is desperate for a sign of the faithfulness of God. We live in a world that is desperate for a sign of the faithfulness of God. Jesus said, it ain't good enough just to believe that I'm the Messiah. It ain't good enough. Come on up, man. It ain't good enough just to, just to, just to love. Ah, it's a heart thing. I just, no, 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 I love people. It ain't enough. It ain't enough. Why? Because there is a world that needs to know that God is faithful. And he is aware of where they are at. 
And when you share the living God with these disappointed, broken people, the hope of God begins to leap on the inside of them. And the Spirit of God begins to move in their lives. This is the Christmas story. The Christmas story, Jesus Jesus was born of a virgin in a manger. But there's a reason Jesus left. Moses came, freed the people from bondage, and brought them to the edge of the promised land. But he didn't go over with them. He's like, no, 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 no. Y'all going to have to do this by faith. I can get you there, but only you can enter in by faith. He says, I'm going to send you a leader. But you're going to have to enter in by faith. And so Jesus dies on the cross. Sets you free of your oppression. Gives you the word of God. And says, now there's a world that needs to come into the promised land. And I need you to enter in by faith. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, By this is the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the perpetuation of our sins. Stand with me if you would. I am convinced. I am convinced. I am convinced that the world is waiting for an encounter with Jesus. Self-help gurus will not save. Money does not save. Church does not save. Jesus Christ saves. And Jesus normally uses people as the avenue of that salvation. And it is our responsibility understand this book well enough that we can share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ with other people. That the baby can leap in their womb and they can be baptized in the Spirit of God based off the words that we share. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful for the sending of your son Jesus. Father, I would pray right now, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice right now that is away from God, that they're separated by their sins, if they can't say, you know, no, no, I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I experienced the presence of the Holy Ghost, and now I am living this life that He's called us to live. Right now, they would make a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a follower Father, I pray for every disciple in this room right now that they would get it set in their heart. That they would stop. Stop living this life of self. This unfulfilling life of self. What must I do for me to get eternal life? And they will begin to live the words of Jesus. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would come. Wow, right now. Wow, right now. Your Holy Ghost of God will come right now. And we give, begin giving people visions of folks that they need to share this hope with. Visions of people they need to bring to church. Visions of people who need to hear about this gospel. This good news. sing and then we're going to pray and I want you to make a covenant with God 
that you're going to follow him this next year in serving, in loving. told me. He's like, that's, that's my job. Make your baby jump so you go out there to make somebody's baby jump. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll explain it again. I believe there's people in the room right now with some dreams, with some calls, with some hopes. And you ain't felt it jump in a while. There's words spoken over you you haven't seen come to pass. And the Lord says, some of them, eh, that, that wasn't me anyways. But others, that was me and we need, we need a little visitation. We need the person carrying Jesus to come and give you greetings so that that baby can jump on the inside of you so you can carry it to the world. Does that make sense? I brought my wife on stage because people have more testimonies of what she said than the entire 40 minutes of me talking last week. So I figured she must be activating something. Let me get her up on stage, get the anointing to flow up in this place. You hear what I'm talking about? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the baby about to jump. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it. Say it to your neighbor. The baby about to jump. Say it to your neighbor. Come on. Your baby about to jump. Tell somebody. That's good. It ain't dead. It's living. Come on. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for every word you've spoken over these people in this room. And I declare the anointing of God to come and bring alive that which you have spoken, Jesus I command right now in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that every foul, wicked plan of the devil will be broken in their lives right now. Every obstruction, come on, receive it. Every obstruction to the anointing of God in your life, every sin, every offense, every bitterness, every wicked attack of the devil will be broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus over you. The blood of Jesus over you. The American economy has no power over you in the name of Jesus has no power over you in the name of Jesus and I release the anointing of God I say Jesus is now on the scene Jesus is now on the scene and I command in the name of Jesus that baby to jump in your womb I command life in that dream I command life in that dream I command activity I command Holy Ghost activity in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I command anointing to come in the name of Jesus come on I just got a word from the Lord and I um 
And I, and, I, and I speak this in sobriety, and we're going to sing after that. But I feel like the Lord, there, there is an attack of the devil in some lives here. And you're going to have to make a choice. Shekaba. Sometimes, sometimes we got, we got Trojan horses in our life. Evil things in beautiful packages. And we're going to have to lay some things at the altar. Or we're going to have to keep the curse that comes with it. And for some of you, you're going to see God separate some things from your life. And it's going to seem painful, but the Lord is like, oh, it looked pretty, but that was nothing but cancer. That's a good word right there. That's a good word. That was nothing but cancer. I got a better thing. There is joy on the other side. Come on, let's sing this one more time before we go. You ready? The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, he is my hope. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I declare over you that you will go in the joy of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. I declare blessing upon each and every person. May you have a wonderful Christmas with your family. Um, just be full of everything that God has for you. And I, I just, I welcome you guys. If you want to receive more, if you need prayer for anything, you can come up to the front. And we welcome you also that there's refreshments and Christmas festivities outside. Stick around. Have a great time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless you all. Amen.